Hey, what's up, everybody? This is AW uh, for the return and latest installment of AW Traffic Control. Um, it could be the last episode where we call it AW Traffic Control just because I originally named it this way because I was the general manager of the Outer Banks Aviators. And now that I am not, I'm going to have to come up with a new name if I continue to do these. Um, another reason why I chose the name was because normally I do my podcast while I am in traffic here in Atlanta. So I guess it could stay. Um, you know, maybe we just call it. AW traffic alert. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see going forward, but uh, I think the best way, the best thing is just going to be to choose a new name because I associate uh, traffic control sort of thing uh, with airplanes, and uh, I'm not currently running the direction of the airplanes so yeah that is a long-winded explanation of possibly changing the name of a podcast that i haven't done in months so that's how we're going to get started here and uh if you haven't listened before it's kind of just a free flow i'm driving in my car i got no notes or anything like like that everything that i talk about comes to me just in my head, uh, things that I that I know of. Um, I, I like to try and retain information if I can. I think Sim Leagues is a great way to just kind of keep your brain active and, and everything like that. Uh, and I am a big math and stats guy. Got my degree in statistics in, in college. So uh, that kind of thing makes sense to me, usually sticks with me numbers and stuff are always something that I seem to remember and, and things like that. Uh, and, and then these Sim League things, uh, I'm in like every one of them. I'm not super active in every single Sim League I'm in. Like I could not tell you anything about my player or my teams in like the hockey leagues that I'm in. I'm just not a huge hockey fan. Um, I do like hockey. Big Bruins fan, watch the game sometimes, um, but I cannot tell you um, much about the sport. Uh, I I almost was a hockey coach for a uh, a camp back in the day, but uh, I didn't get the job, so I didn't really have to learn too much. Um, I know how to play. I've, I've played hockey, uh, at least street hockey before. But, uh, yeah, not something that usually comes to my mind, um, how to play hockey, hockey statistics, extra statistics. I know goals. I know assists. I know offsides, what offsides is. I know icing, um, you know, save, save percentage, goalies, and everything like that. But definitely not a sport that I look at these stats for, for very often. Um, baseball, basketball, football. Those are mainly the areas that I focus in on. Um, 
number one probably being baseball, especially since it's so statistics driven. Uh, basketball is headed, uh, or at least it has headed that way in recent times with more analytics based uh, team building and coaching and things like that. Uh, I don't think it will ever really get 100% there. I don't think a lot of teams need to focus on that in the game of basketball. Um, just because you kind of just let your players do their own thing, uh, it comes down to uh, just the, the skill and stuff of the players. You only have five players on the court um, as opposed to, to baseball where you know you have the things like shifts, you have the things like pitch counts, and things you got to worry about, you know, how does this player hit left-handed pitching versus right-handed pitching? What what bullpen arm do I need to bring in? Just a bunch of different things. Um, so, yeah, that's where I, I kind of like the baseball side of things. There's you know, a ton of statistics that are out there for baseball and baseball players, you know, position players, pitchers, there's a limitless number of stats you can look at for them. Um, so that's kind of what draws me to the PBE the most um, in general. I don't really know what I'm talking about, but I'm, I'm just going to talk what drives, draws me to the PBE. Um, my main thing is, um, you know, statistics, the sport of baseball, the community, it all, all, all kind of just comes together in a real nice way um join sim leagues first as an efl user elite football league um efl.network does have a uh, semi-affiliation currently with the pbe i i do wish that we had a bigger one and you know who knows down the line maybe you can get one um i'll always be part of the efl uh that was my first sim league uh i'm like the main media guy over there a lot of my articles and stuff are, are statistics driven and things like that. So usually when I try to do articles and things like that, I try to get some sort of stats involved there. A lot of times I'll try and look at stuff that's not in the index and expand upon that just so, you know, people can look at more things about their players, about their teams and whatnot. I, I think that's a, a really fun part of sim leagues. You want to know how your player is doing. Uh, if you're invested at all, you want to know you're helping the team or hurting the team, I guess, as an inverse to that. So, you know, there's a lot of different things that goes into that. Um, but yeah, I've been in PBE since season five uh, when I was drafted by the Voyagers with my first player. And now we are coming on up, coming up on what, season 29? I believe this was a season 29 draft is tonight. Um, pretty crazy, to be honest. I, I didn't know how long these things would go. Uh, I joined EFL in season six over there and got, uh, we're now in season 31 coming up. So that's crazy as well. And then we have the new WSBL, who PVE recently affiliated with. Uh, getting a chance to be part of season one. Uh, there's been a couple other leagues I've been a chance to be part of season one on, like the uh, Simulation Lacrosse League. 
uh, which died after a season, I believe, a season or two. Uh, there was the uh, the one hockey league that Cal was a main person in. Uh, NSHL, I want to say, NSHL. Uh, that one died, I believe, after a season or two as well. And then, uh, yeah, I don't remember if there's any other ones that uh, at least have shut down since I joined them. So hopefully the WSBL will be different. It's gotten a lot of recognition from places like PBE and uh, affiliation with them right away, which is nice because when I started up a baseball league uh, trying to make an equivalent to the EFL, SBA, VHL sort of leagues, I was met with a lot of opposition on trying to get affiliation. Uh, and I think that definitely hurt our you know, initial user base and uh, the, the, the view that we got from a lot of other leagues. Um, you know, this is just a one-off sort of thing. I don't think that's what killed the league. Um, we had a lot of change in the admin administration team, and I found myself doing a lot of things that I just felt like I couldn't do everything. And so, yeah, having that affiliation uh, with the PBE, with the ISFL, with the SHL right off the bat is probably a good thing for the long-term thing of the league, uh, long-term success of the league. And uh, I'm interested to see where it goes. I don't think the Sim Engine is the greatest. Obviously, it's a Wolverine sports one. Um, and uh, there's already some weird things like with the schedule and whatnot. But I think it will be end up being okay. Uh, it's also a sport um, where everyone is kind of bad to start off with. Uh, with baseball, if a pitcher's bad and a hitter's bad, if a hitter's a little bit better, they're going to hit a bad pitcher better. Where opposed is, whereas opposed, if all players can't shoot in basketball, you know, no one's going to make it. And it's going to lead to a lot of people getting rebounds, which I think we've seen so far in, the, in that league. Um, but we will stay mostly PBE-related here. Um, and so, you know, we have OOTP, which is the prime sim engine in all of sim leagues easily. Um, I know SHL has FHM, which is made by the same people as OOTP, but it's still not as developed. Um, you know, the team is OOTP Development's team. I don't know if they've changed the name, but, uh, yeah, their main focus is OOTP in their baseball game. And uh, FHM definitely has some limits in terms of sim leagues, like not having an index, even though they've done a great job over in the SHL creating one from scratch. But, yeah, definitely limitations in a lot of sim leagues. You know, the Wolverine sports ones, you know, people who, who have been in the in the, the football leagues, uh, ISFL and EFL, they know that the sim engine is pretty bad. Um, but at the same time, you know, you kind of take it in stride. 
if you enjoy it enough, if you enjoy the game of football enough, you can deal with it just like you would in WSBL with basketball. And, you know, OOTP is very random. So I know that part can make people a little bit weary. You know, you put all this effort into a player and sometimes you just have a terrible season. Um, maybe things, you know, the sport of baseball is also random, which is why OOTP is pretty random as well. So, you know, sometimes you're just hitting the ball hard right at people and your batting average is 190 when it should have been two, 250 or something like that. Um, that's just kind of way the ball flies sometimes. But uh, I think the, the randomness definitely for some people it's a good thing for some people it's a bad thing you know you put all this effort into a player if your player sucks the whole time it's like wasted effort or at least you feel like it's wasted effort um but at the same time you know if all the players performed solely based off tpe you wouldn't have any surprises uh the best teams would be whoever earns the most and i don't think 100 percent should be that way um, and yeah, I don't, I don't, I think we're at a good spot in sim leagues. I don't think there's really too many, um, leagues where a team will just go on and just dominate the whole league. Um, you do have that in the SBA a little bit where it's kind of been like two or three teams over the last 20 seasons winning all the championships. And uh, you got the teams with good build cohesion and high TPE kind of just staying that way for a long time. But I don't think you have that with PBE. Um, you had the, the Voyagers come in a couple seasons ago and win two straight championships. On paper, they did not look like a great team. Um, I think a lot of people saw that. I think the only people that didn't were the Voyagers. Uh, they're a team that in most times wouldn't win. But then you have a team like the Atlanta Braves in MLB who, you know, they also looked like a team that was not going to win. They, they beat the Brewers, who were on paper a better team. They beat the Dodgers, who, you know, on paper were a better team on salary they're a way better team apparently but uh they handled them well and then they went against the astros who are on paper are a better team and uh the braves did end up winning the championship probably gonna go to the parade on friday whoop, whoop. but uh yeah you have that thick you have those things in baseball so i think it it measures up real real nice um obviously the last couple seasons with Outer Banks, we have been able to, you know, be the highest TPE team in the league, or at least among the top two or three. And we won a couple championships from that. I think we won the best record, or at least tied the best record. We're in the top two of record for the last five seasons, uh, having 70 wins in all seasons. And kind of just being that team that had the most TPE. Uh, but, you know, in a league that would be based solely off TPE, Outer Banks maybe has three or four championships. 
compared to R2. So it's definitely a lot of fun. It's been a fun ride having the highest TPE team in the league. Um, we are certainly not that anymore. Regression has kicked our butts. Uh, salary cap has, you know, our, our backloaded salaries have, have done the same. There are ways that we can try and compete for a title um, and kind of be that New York Voyagers sort of not good on paper, but just goes on a crazy run. It is possible, um, but I don't think that is going to be the case. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I am, I guess, with the new season turnaround, I'm no longer a GM on the, on the Aviators. So that's been kind of a crazy little, uh, how do I want to put this, transition, I guess. It's been a crazy transition for me, um, kind of going from doing a, a lot with the team, um, doing all the, the off-season tasks that I want to. I still, I still probably am doing some, um, helping some people out with the regression and, and whatnot. Um, as I had told them, I would help them. Um, but, you know, it's not solely on me anymore, which is a good feeling. Um, PBE GMing is, is very, uh, some people may take it for granted. You know, say it's just building a locker room and keeping them active and making sure they're earning. Well, that's just part of it. Um, there's a bunch of off-season tedious tasks you need to do. Um, make sure your whole team's set on regression. Make sure you know you post call-ups, send-downs. You got a draft. You got a scout. Um, along with keeping that locker room active, um, making sure people are earning, but also trying to find that fine line of if someone's not earning and they, you know, they don't, uh, you don't know where they're coming from. You know, maybe they're just having a tough week and they don't want to earn TPE that week. They don't want to log on to a site and just type their name as an activity check. You also have to understand that personal side of the game, which is what I tried to do as a GM for a lot of years in the PVE. Some people, um, some more competitive people, I know like Dub City probably didn't love my personal aspect that I put into GMing. Um, but in the end, you know, the, these users you have on your team, they're real people, they have real life circumstances that they need to, um, deal with first before they they log on to a game or a hobby you know i play a lot of runescape i haven't played in like a week or something just because i've been busy with work and whatnot and i prioritize you know my real life my family uh and even sim leagues over my runescape time and so you know some people have different priorities and you just kind of have to work with them. And uh, I always liked trying to, to, you know, not look down on anybody if they didn't earn 
TPE for a week or or something like that. I mean, we had a guy like Keegan, uh, who's nearing the end of his career with uh, Farron Ben Caden. Uh, ben Caden, I still don't know 100%, but I'm going to say Ben Caden. Uh, I think he was from Sudan or something like that. So that sounds like it would be, uh, sounds like it would be right. Um, you know, Keegan wasn't the best earner in the league, uh, but he was the super team player, moved to the bullpen and was pretty dominant out of the bullpen, uh, especially in the years that we won the championship. Um, we had a player, we have a player now like Stretch McGibbon, Wolkers. Um, he's not like your top end highest earning person, uh, but he went on to hit 300 or something in the playoffs or the World Series at least. Um, so you have situations like that where, you know, you can have a little leeway as a GM and you just kind of have to manage that, right? Obviously, you can't have a team of semi-active people, but you can have some, you can have some great users on your team that aren't going to live, eat, and breathe PVE, and you can still go on to win a championship. You can still go on to win multiple championships. Um, and so that's the part that I love to stress, that I love about GMing, um, that I will miss, is just kind of building that camaraderie, learning all the people in your locker room, making the personal decisions rather than just the decisions from an analytics standpoint, which normally I am very analytical. I, I try to keep it that way. Obviously, you want the best players on your team. Um, but I feel like Outer Banks has always had that level of person personability. Um, I know CK, um, he always had a, a hard time trading people away, or at least discussing trading people away um, for the, the betterment of the team. Um, that's never a bad thing. I, I do think um, it it is more of an aggressive approach to tell someone that's been in your locker room that they've been traded uh, for a better player than them. It, it's one of the hardest things to do. Like we traded away uh, Dan Koa, uh, Wesley Nakia to get, uh, I don't even remember who we got in that trade. Um, yeah, off the top of my head, I, I, I can't remember the exact trade. I don't remember if it was the Mike Litteris trade. Um, that might have been it. Yeah, I can't say with 100% certainty, but uh, I know we traded him away to get a different piece, and that was definitely hard. Um, I think he still has hard feelings about it. Uh, similar to when we traded guys like Cesar Suave away to get Pozo. Remember that one? That one was hard, um, but we just had to kind of realize our window versus... Uh, and, and, and capitalize on that window. So that was more of an analytical approach. Uh, but all the players coming in 
they they felt I wanted them to feel like aviators from the get-go. I think we did a good job of that. Um, so I think that was important. Um, getting guys like Willie Colon, Mike Litoris, uh, Domingo Pozo. Those are players that weren't uh, exactly, um, you know, long-time aviators or anything like that but they were uh, big parts of our team. And I think they all enjoyed their time in Outer Banks. I haven't heard otherwise, but uh, we, we, we just felt like we wanted to make a place where everybody likes. And if people get traded away from us and get upset, that's a good thing. Um, I know that sounds bad, but uh, you want people that want to be there. And if they're not there, they still want to be there or they're upset that they're not there or something like that. So we built, built, built a great, great culture, great team uh, with a lot of mix of analytical stuff and personality and, and everything like that. And I think it was really good. Um, I was able to still keep my personal side um, be like, I want to resign this person. It might not be, the highest TPE person in the league. But this person's been good for us, and I want to honor that. Um, so, yeah, I think that uh, there's a lot of things that go into it. But to make a long story short, there's a ton that goes into GMing. Um, I don't know who the next co-GM of Outer Banks is going to be. I know there's an open application for it. We do have some ideas, I believe, or Razor does have some, some ideas of who may get the job. Um, and we may find that out as soon as this week or next week. Um, but yeah, we should find that out uh, coming up. And uh, I think it'll be really good. Razor's been definitely a big help. Um, he's been involved a lot in the management side of things. Um, I, I personally pegged him as my my veto guy. So when rules come in that the GMs need to vote on or something like that, um, you know, Razor had complete control over that. If he thinks it's a good rule for the league or, or bad rule for the league, you know, I trusted him to make make that decision. Uh, a lot of the in-game sims during the playoffs, you know, it was him I trusted in making those decisions. I feel like the first couple seasons I went at it thinking too much. And I don't know if any of my decisions were, were detrimental to the team. I kind of just went with what I felt was best going into it. And, you know, things happen. You know, we got beat by Boise, who was definitely a worse team on paper than us. And, you know, we got beat by New York, I believe, as well, in like seven games, I want to say. Uh, which another was another team that was worse on paper than us. But, you know, we tried to play the matchups right and everything like that. Uh, but I feel like once we got Razor more into that decision-making sort of thing, it, it worked out and all clicked pretty well. We got through a bunch of Game 7s. Uh, a, a lot of it thanks to, to Ray's Funk, his pitcher. So uh, pretty awesome there. 
I know he'll do a good job. Um, there's a lot of tasks that he would need to pick up that I was doing before. So whether he signs a co-GM to help with those tasks or kind of signs a co-GM to, you know, take his role and then start doing those tasks, that'll be interesting to see. But either way, I have no worries about the future of Outer Banks. As for my future, uh, going to keep rocking and rolling with Walker Cato. Um, I know, you know, no spoilers or anything, but I put myself on the trade block um, as Outer Banks is, is looking to retool or rebuild. My player, I think, still has some value. Can get, uh, you know, a draft pick or active player out of me where OB, OBX might not need me. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Um, I, I will. I am regressing down to like 956 TPE, I believe, and uh, been kind of toying with builds so far this week, and it's been a little rough. But uh, I do intend to switch my player to a junk baller. Um, I know. I think back in the day, I, I always wanted to stay kind of a control freak um, the whole way through. But I think in the mid-tier TPE, it's just it, it, it does get rough as a controlled freak archetype starting pitcher. Um, there are some builds that I think can work. Uh, but I do think there are a lot of junk baller builds that will work better for me. And I like to introduce a lot of realism into it um, and it makes sense that you know Cato 11 or 12 years in or whatever he is uh, switches to more of a junk baller pitcher compared to a control freak uh, he's always been you know 95 to 97 94 96 last year um, and his velocity and stuff but as many people know when pitchers get older, they need to switch up their games. They need to become more of pitchers rather than uh, guys that throw hard. And so Kato was never like a flamethrower or anything like that. So I never wanted to switch to flamethrower just because it looks kind of weird, you know, throwing 95 to 97, then going down to 94, 96, and then all of a sudden going up to 98, 100. Um, it, I just like to introduce some realism, for me at least, um, but I feel like just a complete drop off of the velocity is not going to be a huge deal. Um, and it will still allow me to be a, a solid player and, uh, you know, pitch a little differently, I guess. So maybe the velocity fell off, but I can now get more movement on the pitches or something like that. I feel like it's a, a good natural transition. Um, and I'm also coming up on the home runs allowed record in the PBE, which I would really like to delay that at least another season so Junk Baller could help that as well. Because I believe I'm at 294 and the record is 320. So if I allow 27 home runs next season, I am the new record holder uh, for home runs allowed. So it is a record. I don't know if it's a record that I necessarily want, but it is one that I'm guaranteed to get because Walker Cato is not close to being done yet. 
uh, I think I have, I want to say four more seasons before I have to, before I get uh, to where I need to be. Uh, and that is, uh, I, I, I am hoping to break the game started record in the PBE, and I would really love to get to 400. I think that's a number that I can be happy with. It's a number that I think can stand for a long time because I'm going to have to pitch my last season at like 200 TPE, uh, at least to start. So I don't think there's a lot of people that are going to want to be doing that. I know a lot of people transition to the bullpen. That's not something I want to do if I have to find a rebuilding team. Even Outer Banks, who's rebuilding now, come back for a retirement campaign. Could definitely be an idea. Um, so yeah, Walker Cato still has at least four seasons left. We'll see about this season, whether he's on Outer Banks or elsewhere. And uh, then we have to be thinking about my next player. I don't have the you know, GM player thing to worry about anymore. Uh, I don't have you know any specific ties. We'll see. I, I wanted to go more of like a mercenary idea where I played for multiple teams with Walker Cato. But, uh, you know, as many know, I signed a 15-year deal with Outer Banks and then I became GM. My guaranteed portion of my contract ends after this season when then I have a bunch of options and stuff. So, yeah, still have a ton of time. Walker Cato was not able to, you know, jump around in free agency or not. I was paid well. I was treated well. Uh, that's all I could ask for. My next player might. Um, I do have a couple ideas of where I might want to go, whether it be like a, a uber defensive shortstop or center fielder or catcher or something like that, which is more, I guess, in a GM player sort of line. Um Going back to wanting to be a third baseman back in the day when I had my last player, Brian Barnes, uh, and just being like a uber defensive third baseman that can hit some home runs, that's still on the table. And I've also had another idea where I could be like your prototypical middle relief type, um, kind of create a submariner Chad Bradford sort of idea, uh, and then just sort of, you know, bounce around teams that need bullpen arms. Um, that certainly idea, it is, if I had to pick right now, it's probably where I would lean just because I can kind of play that mercenary type role, um, but always kind of have a spot. Everyone always needs bullpen arms and I feel like I could always have a spot, um, on a contending or semi-contending team. Um, so that's certainly an idea, but, uh. We got some ways to go, um, whether I get to 400 or not, I still do want to break the game started record with Cato. So it will be at least three seasons and then, uh, we'll see going from there. I, I think we'll play up to the trade deadline with Cato and, uh, then retire him probably in his fourth season. So, uh, hoping for the game started record. I think we can get there easily. Uh, depending on how teams, whether it be Outer Banks or other teams, how they treat me. Uh, and if they let me start or not. 
but I'm always going to go to teams or situations where I can start and hopefully have success. Um, where Outer Banks might not have success, you know, if they do trade me to a more contending team uh, and I end up as a third or fourth starter or something like that, I, I think that's an ideal situation for Cato in this part of his career. And uh, then we're going to start getting into the parts where can I start on a contending team? Maybe not. Uh, next season, I don't know. We'll see. I'll probably be around 700 to 800 TPE. And then um, I, I do have an option. I don't think any team is going to pay me $9.5 million about to pitch as a 700 TPE starter. So we'll see what happens there. And then going forward with that, um, it, it will be likely relegated to pitching for uh, rebuilding or developing teams that might just want me as a veteran presence. Um, I've never caused locker room problems or anything like that. I know there's a lot of people that don't like me just because, you know, my political view, views and stuff. Uh, but I, I don't try to bring that into the locker rooms ever. So we'll see. Um, I think I can be helpful uh, whether it be to a war room or to a team that's developing young pitchers uh, i did write the pitching guide and stuff in the pbe and uh, I, I just hope to help people whenever i can um, that's just kind of how i am and, and kind of bringing that personable gm side of me to a non-gm role uh, I'm still going to earn money. You know, I'm still doing this podcast, even though I don't really need the money. Um, I will need it eventually. Uh, have $150 million or whatever in the bank now. Uh, but it will go down, especially without my job pay to keep it up. Um, I probably will apply for another job at some point, uh, help the PBE keep going. But yeah, uh, I think the, the future is bright for me. We'll talk about more of the end of my GM career in the next episode but for now we'll just leave it at this uh about 38 40 minutes now i think it's been a good amount of time and yeah so for anyone who has listened i appreciate it uh definitely let me know your thoughts and everything and we'll try and get back maybe next thursday or the thursday after with the next episode uh but uh, thanks for listening and uh appreciate you